doctor is in, we'll see you now. Welcome to the anime waiting room. I'm your host, Dr. Otaku. Joining me today are my co-hosts, Elliot and Drew. We're not real doctors, but if anime is your drug of choice, we've got the fix for you. to the anime waiting rooms fifth episode today we'll be discussing the timeless and hilarious film mobile suit gundam wing endless waltz as part of our holiday special so thank you for tuning in and i hope you enjoy our show it'll be mostly unscripted but drew has assembled some notes for us today to talk about the creators but yeah we're just gonna have a lot of fun and uh, we're gonna talk about what we liked and a lot of things that we didn't like all right guys how you guys doing drew elliott how you guys doing i'm doing pretty good you know i'm just chilling on this fine saturday it's raining a lot it is it mm. is indeed if it starts pouring again i wonder if our audio will start picking up the patter of the rain and wind yeah i don't know i have my window open slightly Oh, that's dangerous. Yeah, it's very dangerous. Anyways, you guys got any holiday plans? None that I can think of right at the moment. Just take it easy, I think. Watch yeah. more anime. Yep. I got plans, man. I got I got to watch uh, Vision of Escafone, episode 8. I have to finish Iron-Blooded Orphans. Then I got to catch up with all my seasonals. Bye, family. Mm. My hero. You're watching Chainsaw Man, <laughs> <laughs> or as I like to call Boob Saw Man. <laughs> what the? Uh, I don't know. I haven't really started it, so it's it's like I can't judge books by covers, but maybe this one you can. You could I think watch it's animation from Mercury. Oh yeah, G Witch, as you call it, G Witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you guys been watching anything since the last episode? Uh, just the seasonals. Anything uh, stand out? My hero is getting good, but I think it's about to end, or at least this season's about to end. Spy Family, I think, has like fizzled out a little bit for me. And then I'm still enjoying Day of the Life of the Immortal King. Nice. I'll have to look at my list again. There's some on there that I... Or there's some less seasonal stuff that I would... I'd like to finish Clan Ad, and in conjunction with the holiday, watch Clan Ad after story. But who knows if I'll have time for that. Oh, and then a friend of mine, a good friend of ours, wants me to play the visual novel for Planetarian. So I'll have to figure out how to do that. Well, you got a couple weeks off because school will be on yeah, yeah. break, right? For sure, I should watch some Planetarian. Yeah, I think you can accomplish all of your goals over the couple weeks you get off. You just have to treat your entertainment like a real job. Exactly. It's a priority. It's, it's you know, what fuels me. Mm-hmm. You got to dedicate at least eight or nine hours to doing all that stuff, man. That's right. Anime is not going to watch itself. No, no, it's not. I think I might have to. I'm going to, to Mexico on the Christmas, so I'm probably going to pull up my Crunchyroll app, uh, even though it's not an optimal way to view anime. But I'll probably just reserve that for shows that I care less about. 
All right. Anyways, uh, let's talk about Endless Waltz. Drew, why don't you start us off? What is Endless Waltz, and why does it exist? All right. Gundam Wing Endless Waltz was originally released in Japan as a three-part OVA in 1997. We watched the compilation film, which was originally released in 1998, available for viewing on Crunchyroll. It's a direct sequel to the 1995 TV series Mobile Suit Gundam Wing, which was 49 episodes. That originally aired in Japan from April 95 to March 96. TV series is also available on Crunchyroll and Hulu and Funimation. Endless Waltz was produced by Sunrise. Sunrise is a studio originally founded in 1972 by former Mushi Pro staff. They have multiple studios within the company and over the decades continue to expand and have something in the ballpark of, I think, 12 or 15 studios, each of which focus on different productions. Their early works were centered around robot anime, which could be used to sell toys. Nowadays, Sunrise is known as the House Gundam built, but notable shows that they made before the original Mobile Suit Gundam include things like Brave Rydine, Combatler B, Voltus 5, Zambot 3, Dietarn 3. Those are all things that I guess only mecha nerds would have heard of, and they're not easily available unless I guess you search online and sail the seven seas or something. Mobile Suit Gundam, which is also retroactively known as First Gundam or 0079, originally aired in 1979, and that's the turning point for the company, or Sunrise. Also got to mention Bandai, the company that makes Gunpla models, model kits. That company acquired Sunrise in 2005, and then Bandai and Namco, the video game company, they merged in 2005. As well, and in 2020, Bandai Namco purchased Totsu, which is an advertising agency that controlled the commercial rights to the Gundam franchise. So now we can say that Bandai Namco fully owns the Gundam IP. And it should also be mentioned that after all of these mergers and acquisitions, Sunrise is technically now known as Bandai Namco Filmworks, but that just doesn't have the same ring to it, man. I feel like most people still call them Sunrise. Yep. As a studio that's been around for half a century, Sunrise has had a large number of notable hits. Obviously, they probably have more than their fair share of forgettable shows, but they've also made a good amount of genuine classics. One particularly fertile period was the mid-90s to the early 2000s, which was the period where we got Mobile Suit Gundam, the 08th MS Team, the Vision of Escaflone, Cowboy Bebop, Turn A Gundam, Big O, and Planetess. And some of the other notables from that same time frame are Gao Gaigar, Outlaw Star, Brain Powered, Crest of the Stars, Eskrayed, and Witch Hunter Robin. Those are all pretty big names, at least for people who are into anime that are like close to my age, because I'm a little older than you. For my generation, those are some of the notable ones. And it's also the same period in which the Gundam Wing TV show and Endless Waltz were produced. So for some of the younger anime fans, maybe the works that Sunrise produced that you might be more familiar with, or at least that you might have heard of, would be things like Code Geass, Welcome to Demon School, the 
Love Live series. I don't even know if it's pronounced Love Live or Love Live. I've never watched it, but I know it's a big one. Gintama, Inuyasha, Yashahime, and Scarlet Nexus. Most of those I, I haven't seen and don't really have too much interest in. <clears throat> yeah. For a general Gundam primer, I'll set some context because we're talking about a pretty big franchise here. 1979 was the year that Mobile Suit Gundam aired. It was created by Yoshiki Tomino with valuable creative input from folks like Yoshikazu Yasuhiko and Kunio Okawara. First Gundam spawned one of the biggest franchises in anime. Although the show wasn't a huge hit upon its initial TV airing, and in fact it was cancelled due to low ratings, it still ended up becoming a big show eventually. It was originally supposed to run for 52 episodes, and it was cut down to 39 after sponsors bailed. And eventually, it was brought up to the final tally of 43 after some negotiations. Clover, the producer of the toys based on the series, wasn't pleased with the low sales of their toys. Despite this, the show had a dedicated fan base that skewed slightly older than the preteen boys it was originally aimed at, as teenagers and college students were big fans. The show also had many female fans. Reruns and ancillary products helped keep Gundam alive as the TV show's soundtrack on vinyl sold extremely well. And in 1980, Bandai obtained the rights to produce plastic model kits based on the franchise. It was enough for Tomino and Sunrise to get the okay to produce three feature films, which were released in 1981 and 1982. Films were recut compilations of the TV series with some new animation, particularly in the third film and they were a resounding success. Gundam was at the center of a cultural flashpoint for anime fandom. In early 1981, leading up to the first film's release, there was a public event held in front of Shinjuku Station. It was a promo event for the movie where Tomino and some of the designers, animators, and voice actors would make an appearance. They expected a few hundred kids to show up, but instead, 20,000 fans mobbed the area. It's called the Anime New Century Declaration of 1981, basically anime's Woodstock, an event that captured the zeitgeist of the maturation of anime and anime fans. One fun tidbit that you'll enjoy Dr. Otaku is that Neon Genesis Evangelion's official Japanese title is Shinseki Evangelion, which translates to New Century Gospel. And I'm pretty sure <clears throat> they picked that title because of the Anime New Century Declaration of 81. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Gundam did have a pretty big impact on Anno. Mm, preach. Gundam, of course, would go on to become a tentpole franchise of anime with numerous sequels, spin-offs, model kits, and more. Over 40 years later, and the brand is still going on strong with over $20 billion in retail sales throughout its history. Bandai Namco continues to sell hundreds of millions of Gunpla kits every year. There are over 50 individual Gundam TV series, OVAs, and movies. The latest show, The Witch from Mercury, is currently airing this season. And if anyone out there is interested in learning more, there's even a Wikipedia entry just titled Cultural Impact of Gundam. So all of that leads us to mid-90s where Gundam Wing comes into play. In Japan, the show was known as New Mobile Report Gundam Wing. It was a 49-episode series airing from April 95 to March 96. The show performed modestly in terms of ratings, and 
to be honest, the Japanese fandom doesn't regard Wing very highly at all. The basic story of the TV series is that it's a war between the space colonies and the oppressive Earth government. A group of rebels in the space colonies sends five Gundam mobile suits, each piloted by a teenage boy, to Earth in order to overthrow the militaristic regime. There's a lot of melodramatic moments, and the plot is not always logical or coherent. The show premiered in America in March of 2000 as part of Cartoon Network's Toonami block, and it became a massive hit. Early in its run, it outperformed Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon, and it was even the number one show on the entire network. It's safe to say that Gundam Wing was the gateway drug to anime for an entire generation of fans. Any anime fans who are close to my age or just a few years younger than me, I'm pushing 40 right now, they would probably cite Gundam Wing as one of their formative shows. It's something that popularized Gundam in America for a period of time, introduced American fans to model kits. It was also a popular show with female audiences as girls gravitated towards the Bishonen Gundam boys. This past summer, the official Gundam Evolution Twitter account ran a poll for the most popular Gundam titles in both Japan and North America and released top 10 lists for each region. Wing came in at number 4 in North America, but it didn't even crack the top 10 at all for Japan. So that kind of tells you the disparity in how Japanese fans and American fans view Wing. The Endless Waltz OVAs came out in 97. The movie edition was released in 98 as a double feature with the 08th MS team, Miller's Report, which was a compilation movie of the first eight episodes of that OVA series. Whew. Having said all that, let me ask you guys if you had any preconceptions about Gundam Wing or even Gundam in general before you watch this for the podcast. I thought it was going to be... I think you, you would keep referring to that scene that you sent me on YouTube about the main character hero. He, like, wants to kill that other girl. <laughs> I kept thinking about that before I watched it. And I had a feeling it was going to be very hilarious. But yeah, I had no idea like how melodramatic it was going to be until I watched it. So I guess that was like my first impression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think I had any impressions about Gundam Wing. All I knew, recognized were like the Gundams within the show or the movie. Not really necessarily knowing their names, but like looking at their familiar designs and remembering how popular they were when I was a kid. So you were familiar with it from when you were younger? Uh, I remember seeing the designs because like friends of mine would have like the Gunpla of them, mm -hmm. but then I mm -hmm. never really watched Gundam Wing. Yeah, I personally wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I want to talk a little bit about the lead creatives behind Endless Waltz for a, a bit, just to introduce the perpetrators of this <laughs> anime. <laughs> okay, okay. The director is Yasunao Aoki. He also did the storyboards. He's someone who directed 13 episodes of the TV series, so 13 out of 49 is a pretty good amount. He also has a decent amount of credits as a storyboarder and animator. 
if you look at his list of credits as a director, the thing that jumps out is that he was a dude who directed over 120 episodes of Inuyasha. I'm not an Inuyasha fan, but I think knowing what I do know about it as a you know typical shonen anime, it's not too surprising to see those sensibilities translate to something like Gundam Wing. But personally, I'm most impressed that he directed 11 episodes of the Pat Labor TV series. Mm. Katsuyuki Sumisawa is credited with the screenplay. He's also someone who has a pretty big background in shonen anime because he wrote about 120 episodes of Dragon Ball Z. And he was also the head writer on Inuyasha and Yashihime. Plus he wrote around 30 episodes each of Sailor Moon, Yu Hakusho, and Naruto. So he's definitely got his hands plunged into the muck there. He also did scripts for Mobile Suit Gundam, The Origin, the OVAs that came out this past decade. Those OVAs aren't quite as good as the source material, but they're still pretty decent. And I also know that Sumisawa has enough love for Gundam Wing that he went on to write a lot of ancillary material, things like prose stories or novellas, as well as an ongoing manga that continues or reimagines the story of Wing. Shuko Murase is the character designer. He was also an animation director for shows like Samurai Troopers, Gundam F91, and Victory Gundam. As a character designer, he has credits for Street Fighter II, the animated movie, Night Warriors, Darkstalkers Revenge, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, <laughs> remember that? And the video game Final Fantasy IX. He has also directed some anime, specifically Witch Hunter Robin, Ergo Proxy, and the feature films Genocidal Organ, and last year's Gundam Hathaway. You guys have any thoughts about the character designs in Gundam Wing? Elliot? I can't say that I really have any impressions about it. Like, I, think, I think the way they're animated and the way they look is really cool, but I don't think anything really sticks out to me about it. It's adequate. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's like <laughs> the old school style of animation, so like you can appreciate that, but then compared to like nowadays feels still like it's like slow animated slow animation mm. i guess by it... slow animation feels like they like hand drew everything instead of like using computers like like they do nowadays yeah yeah that was definitely before everything was on computers this was done on cells yeah it's not meant to be like an insult but it's like it you can see like they had had like more hand-drawn detail versus Oh, we can just like copy and paste from like a thing we have on the computer. Yeah. Place them into like the the scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess you could say like some of the characters, if the if he worked on Street Fighter 2, it kind of looks similar. Like the commando pants and stuff. The weird haircuts. <laughs> yeah. The bo- like the haircuts, like Troa yeah, or whatever. The sh- the short shorts. Yeah. Like, dang, he's really he's wearing really short shorts. The braids too. <laughs> yeah i gotta clarify he didn't do the original street fighter 2 uh, character designs he did the character designs for the movie which means that he probably adapted the existing designs and I see. Uh, but then there's also a couple things in that movie i don't know if you guys have seen it but there's like some scenes that are flashbacks where you have a, a young ryu and a young ken sparring yeah. so if he designed those characters that did end up becoming kind of influential because Later on, the Street Fighter Alpha series would actually take those character designs and do younger versions of Ryu and Ken. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. 
Now I want to talk a little bit about the mecha designers of Gundam Wing being a mecha show. I think mecha design is always a pretty important role. There are three credited mecha designers or Endless Waltz, and they are Hajime Katoki, Junya Ishigaki, and Kunio Okawara. Katoki did the retroactive redesigns of the five Gundams and I think the Talgis 3. He's definitely one of my favorite mecha designers, and he also worked on a bunch of Gundams like 0083 Stardust Memory, the 08th MS Team, Unicorn, and quite a few more. He also did mecha designs for the second and third Pat Labor movies, as well as the Virtual On video game series. One thing I want to mention, because we didn't watch the TV series, is that the TV series has different mecha designs. If you compare them to the designs you see in Endless Waltz, everything in Endless Waltz has been redesigned, but there's no real explanation in the story as to why the Gundams look different. You're just supposed to pretend that that's how they always looked. Mm. So, mm. yeah, it's a design choice where it really has no bearing on the story, but I, I guess we're just supposed to imagine that the way they look in Endless Waltz is how they always looked. But if you watch the show, yeah, that's not the case. Junya Ishigaki has numerous credits as well, and he's a recognizable name for mecha fans. He's designed stuff for a bunch of Gundams, video game Xenogears, Macross Frontier, and much more. Kunio Okawara, he's an all-time legend who was the mecha designer on the original Mobile Suit Gundam. He was the first person in the anime industry to receive the credit of mechanical designer. His list of credits is just a murderer's row of notable mecha series, including things like Armored Trooper Vodums, Gao Gaigar, and so many more. He was the original mecha designer for the Gundam Wing TV series. So I think he gets the credit here because all of Katoki's redesigns are still kind of inspired and based on his work. Did you guys have any thoughts on the mecha designs in Endless Waltz? I liked them a lot. That might have even redeemed the plot for me. But <laughs> I like the yeah. angel one a lot. Wing Zero? Wing, yeah, yeah, that one's amazing. I like the Tall Geese 3. Yeah, like the Tall Geese is my favorite too. Yeah. And then, what was it, Death Scythe and the one with like the snake whip thing? Oh, yeah, that's a bit. <laughs> yeah, that Wu Fei's Gundam, yeah. I think it's called the Altron. Yeah. Death Scythe itself is a stupid name, but <laughs> when you look at the Gundam. It's so cool. <laughs> a lot of the Gundam redesigns here, they look really cool, but I kind of question the practicality of them, of their designs, like from an engineering standpoint. Like, why does a wing actually need literal wings? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it looks cool, but I question the actual value that those wings offer in terms of <clears throat> capabilities and combat or even flight in general. Like, it, yeah. it just seems like something that's more to look cool, you know? And... The Death Scythe has those bat wings, but what's the point of those? It feels like those are the kind of things that'll just make it a bigger target. It looks cool, but I question the usefulness of those things. Like MMO cosmetics, they just, they add flavor. Exactly. Do anything. Which one has those machine guns? Uh, heavy arms. That's like, a trellis. I wonder how many like rounds of ammunition you have to load in that thing. He's just like firing it for like 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like dropping shells everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> I don't even need to reload. I know. <laughs> Just two double-barreled massive Gatling guns on yeah. each arm. <laughs> I wonder how well 
like how does he balance himself no, like holding too these heavy. two I know it doesn't from a physics standpoint it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but it, it looks cool yeah yeah it's uh doesn't even like plant himself into the ground like there's nothing to stabilize him whatsoever yeah. exactly a couple final people to bring up but Yoshihito Kishinuma is the animation director and he's a veteran of Inuyasha and Yashihime more relevant to me are his animation director credits on various Gundams, including Turn A, Unicorn, Thunderbolt, and Iron-Blooded Orphans. Also did some key animation for Neon Genesis Evangelion, specifically episode 13, the one where an angel infects the Magi supercomputers. And he also did some work on Jinro. Masanori Shino is the mecha animation director, and he also has a lot of credits on Inuyasha, as well as Digimon Adventures Try. Ooh. That's cool. Have you seen Digimon Adventures Try? Yes, I have. Yeah, we both have. It's really How's that? Dark. Very dark. It's an adult take on Digimon, and if you're a fan, you'll love it. Like, if you grew up watching it, it's like a payoff of your childhood. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's pretty good. The storytelling is good, and now it's all on Crunchyroll, so it's really good to watch. And then I think... They did like their last movie with those original tree, like the original team of Digi Digimon Tamers, whatever yeah. they're called. Digidestined. Yeah, like the, it's like the last movie that they just did, where oh, they okay. like at, uh, Ty and Matt say goodbye to Gabumon and Agumon. Does Digimon Adventures try have anything resembling Mecha, or is it purely just? Uh, well, when they get to, like, Mega Evolution and beyond, that's when they start, like, really Mecha. And then there's, like, some on the, like, the later seasons of Digimon where they become kind of Mecha. So it's, like, the opposite of Pokemon, where Pokemon kind of look like a bigger version of themselves. Whereas, like, Digimon, like, they'll hand, like, these little cute monsters guns and, like, <laughs> add, add it onto yeah. their body and then become, like, a Mecha version of it. Because there's always been, like, Omnimon that's always existed since, like, the first Digimon came out, and he's like a combination of uh, uh, Metal Garurumon and War Greymon, and he looks super mecha. And then the knights, like the legendary knights, are he's part of the legendary knights, and he's they all look like kind of mechas. I see. Okay, it makes sense that someone like Shino would work on something like that. Mm -hmm. Good use of his skills. The music composer is Ko Otani. There's a long list of credits too, but. I haven't watched any of his other shows or the movies that he composed for. One thing that caught my eye is that he composed the soundtrack for the video game Shadow of the Colossus, both the original and the 2018 remake. Do you guys have any thoughts on the soundtrack for Endless Walls? I really liked it, you know, especially the theme song really like got me going because it's not something that I expected. It just got it got really hyped like a minute in like it's so somber and like peaceful for, like the first minute and you're like oh this is a nice melody you know we're just gonna ease into this and then they just hit you with like the techno beat and you're like oh okay never mind we're going hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't you say it reminded you of something? I I personally thought it reminded me of like Street Fighter and then Drew was like. You're not confusing that with Mortal Kombat, and to me it's like almost the same because I think of like Guile's theme is oh, how yeah, I think of very Street retro. Yeah, nineties. Uh, I remember like Mortal Kombat being like the like the theme song going hard too. Yeah, maybe I was too distracted by all the explosions, and we'll, we'll get to that. 
<laughs> just the opening scene. Just senseless violence with no explanation. Speaking of the theme song of the movie, the performer is this 90s J-pop group called Tumix. And they also did both of the opening theme songs for the Gundam Wing TV series. The songs are called Just Communication. And Rhythm Emotion. So if you liked the song from Endless Waltz, Last Impression, you should check out those songs. They were a group I enjoyed when I was a kid. They're just catchy as heck, kind of techno pop music. And the lead singer of the group, her name is Minami Takayama, and she's also actually a pretty prolific voice actress. She played Kiki in Kiki's Delivery Service. She's Detective Conan, Landau in Escaflone. Uh. Envy in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. She also played somebody named Katie Mannequin in Gundam 00. I've never seen 00, but that's a pretty funny name. It's cool. Hmm. Well, that's pretty much all I have in terms of context and creative people. So unless you guys have any other comments, we can get on with it. No, nope, seems pretty good. Thanks, Drew. Very thorough and... Well, honestly, let's just rip right into it. Spoilers and all. What do you guys think about Endless Waltz? Elliot? I thought it was really good. Having no experience really watching Gundam Wing, I think it was really interesting to watch it because you get to see like the battle and like kind of like the end of it but i think the show kind of does expect you to have some knowledge of gundam wing because uh, the, the characters i don't really explain the characters but i think that this is a christmas movie because it takes place during christmas yeah and the whole after... story takes place on christmas eve right yeah i think so and then it's like after colonies ac and so I think it's a good story because you get to see you know, mainly battles and like kind of just like the main characters duke it out with some Hitler regime going on. <laughs> what do you think, Drew? Yeah, I think the production values are pretty great. So the mecha designs, character designs, the background art, visuals, those are all excellent. And I think the animation is pretty spectacular, especially during the action scenes. Music is great. All of those things are pretty outstanding. But to me, it's the story where things kind of fall apart because there's just a lot of things that don't really make sense to me. And I'm someone who kind of grew up with Gundam Wing. I, I never watched the entire TV series, but I think I knew enough about it to make sense of Endless Waltz. Even then, I think there are things that don't work not because you need knowledge from the show to understand them, but just because the movie doesn't do a good job of carrying the narrative flow of the story in a way that is fully coherent. Like, you have to be willing to turn off 
parts of your brain to just enjoy the action. The basic ideas and framework for a decent Gundam story are present. I do think it's better than the actual TV show. I just don't think it's a very good movie. There's some unintentional comedy. But yeah, as long as you don't mind shutting off parts of your brain to enjoy the spectacle and the animation and action, I, th I think it works as an action movie. It's just not really a, a thinking man's action movie, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you guys have good points for sure. Yeah, like you said, I like the animation and the Gundam designs themselves. I might even forgive the plot elements for that, but yeah, there's just too many inconsistencies in the plot. For example, why do they want to blow up their Gundams in the first place? Isn't there like maybe... I think a... I understood the reasoning for that. And it's because the opening of the movie starts off showing that battle scene. And that battle scene is supposed to depict the last episode of the TV series. Ah, okay. So the last battle of the war in the TV show, I guess, also took place on Christmas Eve. So we start the movie with this flashback of last year's battle, and then it's been one year since that battle was won, and there's been this period of relative peace. So I think from the Gundam boys' standpoint, they're thinking, oh, now that we've achieved this peace, we don't need our Gundams anymore, so okay. let's send them to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, you know... Uh... It's a really extreme logic, but I guess yeah. I can follow yeah, it. Like, why can't they put them in a museum or something? Yeah, I know. Like, what if, you know, we're joking. What if Hitler used strikes again or something worse and they need some military power? Oh, I guess we'll just blow them up or send them to the sun. Yeah. It's this millions and billions of dollars of government property. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't even understand where, like, those Gundams came from. Yeah, are yes. they government? I don't know if they're government. I mean, they're like uh, technology. Uh, so the, the Gundams think... were built in the colonies. So uh. you notice that throughout the movie, each of the five Gundam boys had a little flashback scene dedicated to him, right? Yeah. And most of those scenes were about how they became a pilot, pilot? of the Gundam. Gundam it's because when they were, they all lived in five different colonies in space. Oh, and see. all of these colonies developed their own Gundam. These Gundams were supposed to be sent to Earth to mess up the Earth government and destroy Earth's ability to wage war and oppress the colonies. Mm. So that's how each of the boys ended up getting their Gundam. I see. I mean, I can understand from wanting to not have those Gundams fall into the wrong hands, but it's also like, why wouldn't you just lock them up somewhere that only you know? Because like, is that temptation that great that you're going to want to come back and take them? Yeah, exactly. Instead of, instead of destroying them, because then you're right. What happens if you do need them again? You can't just start building it again. It's going to cost you a lot of money and time. And even if they did want to destroy them, why did they have to put them on a ship and send it to the sun? Because at the end of the movie, when they, <laughs> at the end of the movie, when they finally do destroy the Gundams, they just 
put bombs on them and blow them up. Yeah, I thought they had the bombs on them the entire time. Yeah. So yeah. Like, kind of kind of like the Garen Lagan mode where it's like, yo, we're trying to blow it up thing. Yep. Yeah. So that doesn't make sense. Why do that to begin with? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Mary May... Mary May... Mar... Miss Hitler Youth. <laughs> okay, so when I... Because when I first watched this, I didn't finish the film, right? Should we just go full spoilers? Like, yeah, full spoilers. She gets shot in the end, so I felt bad for her. But when I first looked at her, I was like, this might be the first child that I want to slap. <laughs> oh, you've lived this long and you've only wanted to slap one child? Well, you know, like, seriously, like, you know, Kanye West or, <laughs> like, go right. up. Hey, hey. <laughs> Sorry, what you saying? didn't make sense to me because yeah. I, I don't understand her motivation for doing what she's doing. Yeah, so she's related to the former something? She, she claims to be the daughter of the main bad guy in the TV series because <clears throat> mm -hmm. that dude was the guy who ran this thing called Oz, which was the, I think they built all the weapons for the earth military. I see. And he was basically the one in power of earth. And, yeah. In the TV series, if I remember correctly, I th I'm pretty sure Wu Fei killed that guy in uh, the final battle. I see. There was never any indication that he had a daughter. So they just introduced her in this movie and she's claiming to be his daughter but there's also the fact that she's kind of just being used as this figurehead because the old man Deckham yeah it seems like he's the one who's in charge you know and he's just using her because she's a little girl that can give him some legitimacy to lead this movement i think mm. that's the idea behind it mm. okay i guess i understand a slightly more but yeah, you're just like thrown in and there's this like creepy little girl just like laughing. And then like she kidnaps Relena, who's like, is she like a queen or something? She's like queen of the... I think she's like the presidential... Oh, she leader. used to be like the elite, right, or something like that? Well, I think she's some the leader of... of like the, the Earth Nation. Oh, okay. Yeah, some kind of politician. I forget exactly what her title is. is. Like because all the people look to her for hope and then they rally to her in the end. So you're like, well, obviously she's someone important to the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But here's the thing that I thought was weird in the story because at the beginning of it, when they poison her with the tea and kidnap her, you go from that scene where she's in a meeting with these politicians who end up kidnapping her. And then later on, we see Hero in this computer room like doing some research because he knows that relina has been kidnapped but how did he know that she got kidnapped i have no idea <laughs> yeah i don't even know <laughs> plot points man they don't have to make sense they just have to advance the story yeah is, is there a mission to rescue relina or is it to like blow up the capital or something i don't know <laughs> Well, they originally left Earth to like to its own devices because they didn't want to like crumble the like the they didn't want to do what their original mission was to crumble yeah. politics because they had someone that was trustworthy in power. But now they have to basically go back and stop the little Hitlers from taking over. Mm, okay. <laughs> Should we talk about the uh, what do they call them the? The Gundam pilots, are they, do they have a the team name or something? 
I don't think they have a, an official team name. I just call them the Gundam Boys. Okay, so there's a hero with two E's, the main character. <laughs> the Troa Barton, who is not actually Troa Barton. Took the name of the real the Troa Barton. <laughs> Well, the, uh, tro- the real Troba Burton died, so yeah, yeah. that was a Seen funny scene. That flashback. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all, but it was funny. Uh, and then we got Quatra, Quatra, the blonde-haired oh, yeah. guy, the the genius who sends them into the sun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and has to go and retrieve them. We got the ponytail dude duo, and then we oh. got Wu Fei. Who ironically looks like Rasu from our from Karen yeah. Luck. <laughs> That's what I was thinking the entire time. Yeah, I I like, like, it's pretty funny. I just call people that pilot Gundams Gundam Meisters because I'm used to like Gundam Double O. All right, should we talk? Like, who's on? I, I'm trying to figure out like, who's on whose side. Like, I think they're all technically on the same side. Like, the Gundam mm-hmm. boys are all on the same side. They're just like at this point in time, they're kind of confused because like Wu Fei. Is the one that wants to see peace, but then finally realizes that it's the people that will uphold the peace and not war mm-hmm. that upholds it. Yeah. And then the the other four are kind of just like resigned because they did their job and they don't want to see any more battles. But then they have to pick up the mantle once again to put it to rest. And then they sacrifice their Gundams to do so. Yeah. Do you just want to talk about their flashback sequences? Uh, yeah. He- hero. <laughs> I don't know what was happening, but all I saw was he blew up the little girl who gave him a flower, and then he killed yeah. her dog, and he was really sad. So from what I remember about the TV show is that Hiro, his name, kind of like our Gundam boy Troa, Hiro Yui is not his actual name. Uh, it was somebody who was, I guess, an orphan or something that the government in the space colonies raised to become this perfect soldier. Dozens of years before the story in the TV series begins, the backstory is that there was a politician for the colonies who was a peace activist, and I think he was a pacifist, and that guy's name was Hiro Yui. He got assassinated, uh. probably by someone from Earth. So they gave this orphan boy the name Hiro Yui, or the code name Hiro Yui. And as they, I guess the flashback that we see in Endless Waltz is one of his early missions where he's supposed to destroy these enemy mobile suits. But as a result of the destruction he causes, one of the burning suits falls outside of the base and lands on a, an apartment complex. I don't really know why there's an apartment complex next to a base, unless it's just where all the people who work in the base live. But yeah, that's a tragedy that set him down this path to try and stop killing, I suppose. I guess it's also backstory because one of the opening intros for the TV series shows Hero walking through the rubble in a similar scene. So now I guess we know why that scene exists because he messed up when he blew up that base. Ah, that's interesting. Is that why at the end he's like... I don't want to hurt anyone ever again or something. Is he still... I think so. From what I recall in the movie, when he's fighting Wu Fei in their Gundams as they're falling to Earth, the thing that makes him stop fighting is he says something like, every time I kill someone, I'm killing that little girl 
again and I don't want to do that anymore. And then like he stops fighting and just falls into the sea. And I guess him saying that is enough to, you know, shake Wu Fei to the core. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the most random part of that fight where he's just, you know what? I give up. We're gonna fall into the to the water yeah. right now. Elliot, how do you like Hero? Do you like Hero? What do you think about Hero? I thought he was alright, you know. I guess he's one of the main characters, but I feel like none of them really had an impact on me. I just like them piloting their Gundams. Mm-hmm. It was up to Hero to basically destroy the shield of the base. And he sacrificed his Gundam wing to do that. Yeah. That was pretty cool when he just kept shooting them. and kept blowing himself up in the process. Yeah. But other than that, I don't really have any memorable moments of Hero. So my question is, I don't watch the original, but apparently from the clips you've shown me, Drew, Relena likes him or something. Yeah. So then why have a romance? I mean, I don't know if he's reciprocated it at all. But why did it's hinted that he does like her, but because he's such an emotionally stunted guy, uh, he doesn't know how to express himself in a healthy way. I see, I see. Yeah, because you know that, there's... or the people who write the show are emotionally stunted. <laughs> <laughs> there's a scene, right? Like in the movie, he's gonna blow up where she's being held. Why does he fire the beam straight at where they've kidnapped her? <laughs> I think their bunker is super fortified. Oh, uh, okay. And before he fires his final shot, doesn't he use his communicator and ask them if their fortifications are maximized? I see. I, I think he did ask them that, and when she said that they were, he felt comfortable firing that last shot. It was strong enough to wreck their fortifications so that he could go inside, but not so strong that he would completely bury them alive. But that feels like a heck of a chance to take with someone you love. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. From a logical standpoint, it it sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. Should we really be shooting something that's, you know, this super powerful buster rifle thing that can easily demolish any metal structure? Should we fire that at the place where the people we're trying to rescue are being held? I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that either. That is quite questionable indeed. Seems like their relationship is built on love-hate. So, <laughs> maybe he's just another day for Hero, expressing his so. love for her. <laughs> yeah, maybe he just had blind faith that they would be able to withstand it, too. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to fire away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like he's logic to make the impossible possible. Yep. Yeah. Wrong, wrong anime, but yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he does hesitate for like a quick second, and then he aims back at the, the fortress yeah. and shoots it. You're like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're doing it. Let's see. Who else is uh, we got like Troa Barton we talked about. He's not the real one. Troa is another thing that doesn't make sense to me in this movie because we start out, we see him, he's living his life as a circus performer and oh, just as a side note, Dr. Otaku, did you notice that when he was shirtless, he did not have nipples? Oh, with Troa? <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't notice that. That's a good cat. <laughs> is that the beginning? Yeah, that's in the beginning when he was at the circus. I'm going to have to go look at that. <laughs> yeah, you're going to rewatch it just to look for that. Yeah, I got it up, pulled up, muted, and oh, you're right. In the circus. Wow, I didn't catch that. Good catch. <laughs> okay, so he beats up those guys, yeah. and that's how he learns about the 
Marimea army and he learns about their plot. He yeah. tries to go infiltrate them. So he goes in and dresses up as a Hitler youth and stands at attention with all these other teenagers. Yeah. But Deckham recognizes him and he gets outed and then he tries to pull a gun on Deckham. But then Wufei steps in the way and points a sword at him. The scene just cuts from there, right? The impression that as a viewer, the impression you get is that, okay, they caught him. So they're probably going to just like toss him in a jail cell and if, if not execute him or something. But instead, the next time we see him, he's piloting another mech on their side, <laughs> attacking yeah. Duo and Hero. Uh, yeah. So it's like, why would they trust him so quickly and give him a deadly weapon? Did he just tell them, hey, guys, I'm not actually going to try to assassinate your leader. I was just here to, you know, listen to his message and hear what he's all about. I'm one of you. Let me join you guys. And they're just like, oh, OK. I know. It's the propaganda. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. Oh, man. Even as a kid, I didn't understand that. I felt like I was missing a really big chunk of logic there. Yeah. What's Wu Fei's deal? What is his deal? I think Wu Fei's deal is that compared to the other four guys, he was the one who seemed most uneasy about the peace that they had achieved. I don't remember the exact quotes that he said but i feel like during his fight with hero i think he said something about how he needed to see with his own eyes whether peace was possible and the only way that he could do that was by again and this doesn't make sense but it sounded like he thought the only way he could see whether peace was possible was by waging a war to end all wars or something like that mm -hmm. again it's not super logical but i think that's the gist of it Okay. I mean, honestly, like, I just kind of enjoyed him fighting Hero. It kind of reminded me of Iron Man versus Captain America in Civil War. <laughs> this is just the plot of the MCU. <laughs> I was like, okay, just fight in the sky. That's cool. It was a really well animated fight. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about Death Scythe and uh, Duo. Duo. Does he have a flashback? Yeah, there's a scene of him trying to destroy the Death Scythe before it gets sent into battle. Yeah. But then when he hits the detonator, it turns out that the scientist who built the Death Scythe had already disarmed the bombs. And then the guy says, instead of destroying it, why don't you just take it? <laughs> like, <laughs> again, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. With or without any context, but yeah, that's Gundam Wing for you. Mm. I see. And then uh, Quatre, Quatre. Why does he have like lackeys? Is he like a leader of a nation or something? Like, would they just follow him around? Yeah, I don't think he's the leader of a nation, but I think his father was some kind of bigwig. And then those guys that follow him, I think his dad showed mercy to them when uh, uh, he could have used his power on them. And for whatever reason, they ended up just becoming loyal followers. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think they explained that in the TV series, but I, I don't really remember it too well. And it wasn't important enough where I felt like I had to look it up. <laughs> I see. So I could have totally butchered that, but I think that's the gist of it. That's <laughs> just how one scene is like 39 minutes. He just like, he like plummets toward the space station 
and full on rolls into a into a giant rock. Yeah, that was hilarious. That seems like it should have uh, messed him up a little yeah. bit more. <laughs> I don't know, it should have. Yeah, unless spacesuits in the future just have <laughs> a lot of protective material. <laughs> I don't know. Room. Uh, that's yeah. This so much unintentional comedy. <laughs> like he's maybe like he said. Oh yeah, what's the deal with the wind? Please wind. Oh, that's a character from the TV series that uh. used to fight the Gundam boys. His name is Zex. Oh, and he's also Relina's brother. I see. Yeah, he's a, a char clone. Exactly, he's a char clone. Because uh. in the TV series, he wore a mask. Is there continuity with with original? Gundam? No. Oh, it's a whatsoever. different This char. is an alternate universe. Oh. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, yeah. it's almost the same exact looking character. That would make sense if it's Sunrise. Yeah, a lot of Gundam series take the existing tropes and kind of remix them. Oh. So it's part of the mythology of the meta series. That's cool. Yeah, so if you watch G-Witch, it's interesting because in this one, the Shark clone is a woman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's cool. Any you guys have any like favorite scenes? Anything that stood out? There were a couple lines that I thought were funny. I don't think they were supposed to be funny, but they still made me laugh. Sure. There's this scene when Mari Maya is talking to Relina. She tells Relina that she's the daughter of Trey's Kushranada, the bad guy from the TV series. And Relina doesn't know what to make of it and kind of questions her claim. And then Mari Maya says something like this. She says, I am told that there is an adult world that children do not understand. So I cannot begin to explain why I have come to live in this world. <laughs> <laughs> is she funny, man? <laughs> what is she like? Is she like self-aware or is she literally saying like, I don't understand? <laughs> I think it's her way of saying that she doesn't know where babies come from, so she can't explain <laughs> oh, where she came from. Literal, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Wait, I thought she's supposed to be some kind of Hitler youth genius. Or maybe she's just a kid who got power. Yeah, I don't think she's as much of a genius as you give her credit for. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I thought she was supposed to be, like, cunning and smart, but maybe she's just a little girl. <laughs> yeah, she's just a little girl. <laughs> Sometimes says some things that sound like an adult wrote them. Yeah. Uh, Elliot, you, uh, you have any memorable scenes? I don't think I remember many scenes from this movie. I do remember him blowing his own Gundam up, shooting the fortress. That's about it. And like the people gathering around, surrounded like surrounding the Gundams, and they're pushing towards like the fortress to like get Relina back. Yeah, yeah. I like the scene with they're like yeah, the, all the Gundams are out and they're fighting, and then was it Death Scythe comes out of like nowhere? I think there's even a scene where like the bat wings are like reflecting off the back of the moon. Yeah, it's like it's Batman. You see the silhouette. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's like, a really cool shot. Yeah, it's good, good animation, good shots. <laughs> you just wonder, like, is the armor on the Gundam like how how well does it hold up? Really, it's supposed to be stronger than 
the armor used for normal mobile suits because <laughs> the uh, Gundams are made of something called Gundanium. Oh, okay. And it's a special metal that only exists in space. Yeah. That makes sense. No, it doesn't. Well, yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> in the in the Marvel universe, it would make sense, but not in the real universe. <laughs> I'm just always questioning, like, what is Relena actually doing? Is she trying to stop the rebellion? Is she, like, just waiting for them to rescue her? I'm not even sure if she even cares. Because, <laughs> like, it's like the, you know, wouldn't she try to, like, escape or something? Oh, I guess they were going to kill her, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was like. Yeah, I don't know. And then who's that lady at the end? Oh, is that like one of her supporters? The lady who's like, don't fear the broadcast and let's get into my vehicle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who that's is a that? funny character. She had crazy eyebrows. Yeah, who is that? I forgot her full name, but I think her name is Dorothy. Oh, okay. And she's a character who in the TV series was Relina's rival. Oh, <laughs> She's a rival who was also trying to achieve peace between the colonies and Earth. They were political rivals because I guess they had really different personalities. I don't really remember what happened to her in the show. So when you see her in this movie, she's trying to rally the people to essentially use their voices to take a stand for peace. And then she's like, I can give you a ride. And then this truck rolls in. And it's like this truck that's built out of gold or something. Yeah. <laughs> like an all gold truck. At that point, I just accept the the absurdity of what's going on. Yeah. Oh, man. A couple other things that made me laugh in the movie. Early on, there's this scene. It's very early in the movie before Relina gets kidnapped but there's this older guy who's giving a speech. Oh yeah. I don't yeah. remember if he's the president of something or other, but he's he's giving a speech and then while he's talking, he's saying all this stuff. We have Lady Un, who's the woman who leads the preventers. She's talking to one of her colleagues and she makes this offhand comment while the guy is giving his speech and she says, He's pretty smart. Someone elected democratically. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was a funny way of phrasing it. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know what the translation is, but yeah, I mean, that's funny. Because I think in the TV series, she was in love with Trey's, the oh. uh, antagonist of the series. Yeah. I don't really remember what happened to make her switch sides or change philosophies. But I guess there's a, always going to be a part of her that respects fascists. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> who's that lady with the black hair and follows zex around neon or whatever yeah, uh, yeah. she like in love with him or something yeah that's his wife oh are they married is it uh i looked it up and it says they are married oh okay, okay but they get, they get married after let me see but i think that's why she comes to save him okay that gives me more context 
how much does he really love her if he pretended to be dead for an entire year? Well, they also say that she's the only person knew that knew he wasn't dead. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you, can, you don't get that from the show, though. No, it's you some, don't. Yeah. I mean, the movie doesn't really go to the lengths of explaining that or making that clear. I see, I see. You, you have that's to read what, a Wikipedia entry. <laughs> yeah, that's why they say no bodies. No, they're not really dead. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Let's. What else can we pick apart? I mean... Well, we could talk about some positives. Like, I really like each of the Gundam has a unique weapon. Yeah, what's the snake one? What's that called? Uh, Altron. Yeah, that one's really I think really it's supposed cool. to be a dragon because Wufei's, oh, cool. you know, yeah, Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he also has a spear, or is it trident, technically? Trident? Yeah, I think it's a trident. That's pretty cool, and how it's all, like, laser photon stuff we talked about the bullet one earlier was that one the bullet when i was a kid i had a model kit for the heavy arms custom oh, heavy arms yeah, yeah. that's cool yeah man. that was one of the few model kits i owned i owned that one and i had patre's random the Sandrock. oh that's the I one when i was a kid i thought the two swords were cool yeah it kind of reminds me of like elephant tusks or like yeah. sabers Oh yeah, pretty cool. What struck me as weird is that they still use like bullets, I guess, because like I feel like I'm used to the more modern Gundam where like they use laser guns. Yeah. So I was like, it's weird that they are using bullets on a Gundam and they think it's gonna actually hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing about the big mobile suit battle at the end is that all of the Gundam boys and Zex and Noin they make it a point not to kill anybody. And it just seems really hard to swallow that they could be doing all this damage to these enemy mobile suits, shooting them, slicing them up, but they're always able to hit them so precisely that they don't cause an explosion. They just shoot somebody's leg or break their gun, and now that enemy has no choice but to stop fighting. I don't know. Yeah, that, immobilized. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's kind of hard to believe, but yeah. whatever. You know, you that just was, kind that... of like ignore the logic of it and enjoy the action. Yeah, that was hard to believe when like they would topple one on top of the other. It was like, you sure that's not going to crush the other guy that's beneath them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm literally looking through the movie to see if there's anything I missed. <laughs> Here's something I wanted to ask you about, but that scene when Duo gets captured by the bad guys so that Hero can escape, you see them throw Duo in this prison cell. He pulls something out of his hair, and I guess it allows him to uh, kick down the door of his prison and escape. What could he possibly have in his hair that could allow him to do all that? Steroids. <laughs> it's a yeah, steroids. <laughs> It, how was it like a steel? It was like a door, right? Like a yeah, it's like, like a, a jail cell. On, yeah, he's like picking the lock or something. That doesn't make nah, sense. He like brute strength that because he blew through the door. Yeah, he like kicked it down or something. Wait, so it was it was Hero's in, intention to like punch Duo, right? To get him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a great friend! He didn't even tell him about the plan. 
<laughs> and then in like that scene, he just runs off. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Oh, I'm getting up," and they don't even Those shoot enemy him. Soldiers have such slow reflexes. Yeah. They don't even. I mean, I guess they didn't want to shoot him, but still, it's like, "Oh, he just runs off." Yeah, he gets up and they're like, "Oh, he's he's alive." Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, well. it's funny, and they don't even suspect. Uh, what's his name for being a traitor? They just like Troa. go with it. Yeah, and you're like, "Yeah, that's, that's really strange that." You don't suspect Troa for not being a traitor as soon as like that guy that he knocked out gets back up. Exactly. Yep. Drew, do you have any uh any more questions that we I don't can have explore? any more questions? Another line that I enjoyed was in the beginning of the movie when Well, I guess it's another thing that doesn't make too much logical sense if you think too hard about it, but at the beginning of the movie you see Duo on the ship with Katre. Uh, the ship that's about to send their Gundams to the sun. Yeah. And it, it's, you get the impression that they're somewhere deep in space. But then the next time we see Duo, he's in that room where Hero is looking up information on Relina's kidnappers. So, mm-hmm. like, number one, I kind of question, like, how did Duo travel so quickly to where Hero was? And then secondly, when he finds Hero... I, I kind of enjoyed this line, but he saw a hero working on the computer and he's like, it's Christmas. Someone always gets stuck working. <laughs> That's a good Christmas line for the movie. Yeah. This movie is so cheesy, but somehow they make me laugh every time. How about that scene in Hero's flashback when he's on the grass and the little girl walks up to him. She's walking her dog and she asks him, Are you lost? And he says to her, I've been lost ever since I was born. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. I, I, I mean, we, we reviewed who wrote this, but like, man, they, they must have known. Part of me wants somebody to ask me if I'm lost just so I can respond that way. <laughs> like, it's played off in a serious way in the movie, but just as a viewer, I couldn't help but laugh at it. I know. Man. Do you guys have anything else? I don't really have anything else. I think it was an enjoyable Christmas movie for an anime. It definitely had Gundams and it had Gundam aspects to it. So it's pretty short. Yeah. I think that's but... a saving grace. It's, it's easy to digest, even though it's got its moments of incoherence. It's still, you know, 90 minutes. So you're not dedicating a whole ton of energy to it. Yeah. I broke it up into two parts. I watched like 45 minutes and then another 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. I did the same thing. It's nice to like sit down and eat your meal and watch it. Oh yeah, another scene <laughs> that when uh, they're gonna slap Mari Maya, <laughs> and then Relena goes in and takes the slap from the other girl. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? I thought she was supposed to be a pacifist, but I guess pacifism <laughs> has its limits. Yeah, like that uh, the other general was going to slap her, but then Relena was like, nope, it's my slap this time. Held me hostage this entire movie. <laughs> yeah. I need something. I need retribution. Yeah. And then like in the same scene, it's like, oh, yeah, that's what compels Mary Man to save her from the gunshot. I don't know. It's like, did that wake her up? <laughs> <laughs> so she <laughs> risks her own life. Oh my sure. gosh. I guess that's what happened. And then, yeah, we get like, uh, 
She basically that basically pulled like a what is it like the Xavier kind of like now she's a she's like oh because she's in a wheelchair yeah. <laughs> oh, but she gosh. lives. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, Pro- Professor X. I guess the bullet <laughs> went straight through her instead of being lodged in her spine. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I was like, because like when I first watched, like, she dead or is she not dead? And then she wasn't dead. And then I felt bad about wanting to slap her. Well, I guess Relena <laughs> did that for me. <laughs> you got your satisfaction. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And then the only thing else I had thought was funny was just like heroes like, yeah, peace out. I'm going to go live you know, on my own now, some random city, and there's just that, like, pan over scene, it's just, I guess, like, yeah, like, they're all just living their own lives, but yeah, overall, Drew, what do you think, I mean, I think I, it's an entertaining enough of an action movie, it's just not something that has enough spot put into it, in terms of maintaining coherent plot, yeah, it had potential to be a little bit more than it was, but the uh, choices that they ended up making damaged the seriousness of the story that they were trying to tell. But I guess at the end of the day, I don't really care that much. It's just entertaining enough where I can have some fun watching it and have some entertainment in terms of, you know, I guess going down memory lane and enjoying the the nostalgia of the production animation the music artwork all of that stuff is top notch i do think that the animators and the team like did a really good job there it's mainly just the story that i think doesn't really hold up it's probably a show or a movie that's more fun to talk about than it actually is to watch yeah oh Elliot, uh, anything you want to add? Not really. Okay. That was entertaining. <laughs> wait, wait. Did we even talk about what the plot? <laughs> did we even talk? Wait, I don't really was know. There, let me know if there was a there was plot. A, I mean, it's like, yeah. Uh, Earth, space. Like, they kidnap Relena. There's a rebellion. Somehow the people get risen to, like, fight or rebel. Like, rebel against the coup. I think they were just going to make a peaceful protest. Oh, yeah. They weren't actually going to storm the fortress or anything like that. They were just going to make their voices heard peacefully. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the Deckham dude, he's like, he was in charge or something. And then someone shoots him and the rebellion ends, right? <laughs> yeah. And then I guess the Gundam boys are supposed to, like, rescue her or something. They rescued Relina. They stopped the rebellion. They didn't kill anyone in order to stop the fight. And at the end of the movie, they're able to ride off into the sunset and set off the self-destructs in their Gundams. So, you know, in case something like this ever happens again, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what they're going to (laughs) do. Wait, I found another scene. (laughs) Why is... When you know when a hero gets in the base, why is he pointing a gun at her? Wait. She's the leader of the... Oh, of the army, he was going to kill Mary May. I thought he was pointing a yeah. gun at Relena again. No. <laughs> I was like, every time you see the girl, you like, you're going to point a gun at her. 
<laughs> Always. Is, is that is. their relationship? Well, he did rip up his invitation to her birthday party <laughs> oh, yeah. and then wipe away a tear from her eye as he told her that he was going to kill her. Yeah. Oh, okay, it all makes sense now. Wait, he says I've killed Mary Maya, I'll never kill again. But you didn't kill her. <laughs> he goes, pow! <laughs> and then is <laughs> like, you know, I'ma hold you in my arms and comfort you. <laughs> so is, romantic. This is a great Yeah, this is a great show. Yeah, I don't have much to add. I think I wouldn't recommend people watch it unless you have, like, you know, you have a bunch of friends and you want to laugh about it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so many other Gundam series that you could watch or just Mecha or just Christmas movies, you know? Yeah, like Die Hard. Yeah, Home Alone. Holy. Definitely. <laughs> Home Alone. Yeah, just the first Home Alone. I think the other Home Alones are, uh, they're okay. The first one's really good. <laughs> Anyways, that's a good segue to the doctor's orders. This is the doctor's orders. Take your medicine. Uh, this is the part of the show or the podcast that we just recommend, generally speaking, one or a few works of anime that sort of relate to what we just reviewed in this case i think we can recommend like better anime shows or movies that we think are more notable so yeah drew start us off i've got two recommendations here and the first one is another christmas gundam story and this is an actual great one it's one of the best Gundams you can watch. It's mm -hmm. Mobile Suit Gundam 0080 or in the pocket. It's another story that takes place during the Christmas season, but unlike Endless Waltz, this one has a coherent plot, really well-developed characters, and it's quite evocative and emotional. I would highly recommend it. And the other thing I was going to recommend is if you're just interested in a general Christmas anime, Tokyo Godfathers, the movie directed by Satoshi Kon. That's an absolute classic, and it's a heartwarming, feel-good kind of Christmas story by one of the masters of anime. Cool. Thanks. Uh, Elliot, anything? Some things I recommend. Another Gundam movie is Gundam 00, the movie. Cool. Awakening of the Trail of Blazer. And then also Quintessential Quintuplets movie. Uh, it's, the re it's the end of the whole series, so I think that's a good movie to watch. You oh. want a happy ending? Yeah. Is that out? <laughs> is that out on any services? I think it's out on Crunchyroll. Oh, okay. Let me go check that out. Did you end up watching that one in the theater, Elliot? No, I didn't. It's already in on Crunchyroll though. I think so. I think they like teased it. Oh, okay. It's cool. Because it's been out like in Japan for a while, and then they just brought it over. Yeah. I like that series. Is uh, Awakening of the Trailblazer a movie that? can make sense of if you haven't watched the double o tv series i think a little bit it might be like endless waltz a little bit where you have to kind of figure out as you go along but i think you're in it just for the action it's more coherent than endless waltz i assume probably yeah 
because mm-hmm. uh, from my memory, I think it's more coherent, at least the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Cuckoo. If you want a Christmas movie anime, I think Bunny Drop or Usagi Drop is is a nice heartwarming one. The anime, not the monk. <laughs> <laughs> Very important clarification. There. <laughs> Just watch the anime. Don't bother with the source. <laughs> the source, I think, I think we talked about it previously. Uh, if you want to like cry about a lot of stuff, just watch Your Lie in April. It's really sad. I think it technically takes place during the holidays. I don't. I don't remember exactly. Do you associate Christmas with a lot of crying, Doctor Otaku? <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, you know, it's a happy, fun time with your family, but it's also a time to reflect on the depressing reality of your own life. <laughs> Okay, okay. Maybe it's the seasonal depression that I get every time it rains outside. Uh, (laughs) All right. Anyways. uh, Yeah, I don't know. It got dark. It got dark fast. Uh, Yeah, anyways, um, thanks, listeners, for tuning in to our Christmas special, the Anime Waiting Room podcast. Drew, do you have, you want to, you know, talk? Uh, give us any more great quotes from the movie. History is much like an endless waltz. The three beats of war, peace, and revolution continue on forever. Marimea Kushranada. Mm, beautiful. One one begs to think, did, uh, did Deckham write that or did she come up with that herself did she think of that herself or did was he just indoctrinating yeah. her <laughs> anyways still better than what kanye says Ooh. all right uh yeah. uh yeah merry christmas happy holidays merry christmas <laughs> yeah merry go christmas, watch everybody yeah go watch anime good anime and uh, enjoy your time with your family or your imaginary... I'm not going to go... Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. It, anyways, you can follow us on Twitter at A-N-I Waiting Room. That's twitter.com slash A-N-I Waiting Room. Annie Waiting Room. Dr. Otaku, Elliot, and Drew, we post there occasionally. And Drew, talk about your podcast. I'm also on a podcast called Between the Gutters. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Our episodes are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much any podcast platform. And you can find all our links at linktree slash Between the Gutters. It's a comic book podcast where we occasionally also talk about various manga. And if you like Gundam, this entire year, throughout 2022, my friend and I on our podcast have gone through the entirety of the manga series, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Origin. So if you want more Gundam mecha content, check it out. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah, check out Drew's podcast. And you can find our own podcast, Anime Waiting Room, at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you get your podcasts. Also, you can find it at anchor.fm slash anime waiting room. We appreciate all your support, and we'll see you guys next year in 2023. 
where we'll have more fun and more hot takes. have any hot takes to end the year <laughs> it's all man should not be a number one anime right now yeah i don't know what like is it polygon that was promoting it yeah oh dear i don't know how you can rank something that's not finished yet i, I just think it's like what happens if like it tanks in the last episode and then uh, you change your opinion you're like oh well you already spoke too soon because now it's it's like calling it before the game's even over that's my hot take. Nice. Chainsaw Man is great, but it should not be with it. Should not be ranked to number one as an anime currently. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't like that list. Besides, the Kaguya is good. Kaguya is good. Spike's family should be yeah. lower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It did. Uh, yeah, it did lose some steam recently. I agree. Yeah, because the plot point now is just like about storytelling and kind of like side stories rather than like. Currently seeing Operation Strix going on. Yeah. Ranking of Kings, I mean, it's, I think it should be a little higher. Ranking of Kings should be like third or second. Yeah, it's really good. Underrated show. It is definitely underrated. And it's about someone with who struggles with disabilities. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> geez, it's going to be a lot of editing for Drew. <laughs> uh, I have nothing else to say other than... What is that quote? I think his internet got disconnected. What quote? The Home Alone quote. Merry Christmas, you, you filthy animal. Filthy animals. Well, that's, that's that's from a different movie, but yeah. It's a quote within a movie from an older movie. <laughs> Wrong. It's I think it's like a gangster oh, movie. Oh, so it's like it he's it's watching Macaulay he's like Culkin watching a, is quoting a. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Smart. Are you guys still recording? Yeah. yeah. You're going to do a lot of editing. It's Christmas, but someone always gets stuck working. Anyway, all I was going to say, thanks for tuning into the anime waiting room. As Macaulay Culkin says in, from a quote that's not Home Alone, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. I thought that was from Home Alone. Uh, yeah, but maybe he's like quoting uh, some movie in within they made like they made like their own fake movie it's like meta <laughs> to make that quote happen yep. it's meta before meta even existed man yeah take that facebook oh man god bless home alone those were some good years of my life good years <laughs> all right drew anything else <laughs> anything else you want to say about chainsaw man or polygon's ratings uh I mean, I don't really, I haven't watched most of those things, uh -huh. so I don't think I really cared too much about how they ranked stuff. I was just interested in seeing what 
general anime fans were into this year. Mm -hmm. So things like Chainsaw Man, I probably wouldn't really watch that because I, I don't have that much interest in it to begin with. Yeah, it's no skin off my teeth. All right. Let's see. Uh, how do we end this year off? How about we... I don't even know what you're trying to do. <laughs> I don't know what I tried to Say do. Say goodbye. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, our loyal listeners. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. That's right. Peace. Peace.